we're going to kind of do part two to last week in regards to relationship. So I want to start us off with a little prayer. Is that okay? All right. Jesus, thank you that while we were yet sinners, you died for us. That in that you would mend a relationship that will allow us to be with you, Heavenly Father, eternally. And so we don't take relationships lightly, Lord, because we see that you, you clearly don't. And so we want to do it right. We ask that you would come and minister to help our hearts to make the right adjustments that we need to make. We ask that your word would speak deep into our lives in regards to relationships. Father, we love you. We need you. We ask that you would come and minister to your children. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's children said, amen. Amen. Well, last Sunday, we talked about the fact how we as Christians are committed to being relational. Concerned about loving God and others because we see that God is relational. Matter of fact, turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 where we read that we as believers are called to have the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to have the ministry of reconciliation because God has reconciled us to himself And so we are, in that, there's a calling. It says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen? Amen. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And this new calling upon our lives... And verse 18 says, now all things are God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So all who believe, all who call themselves Christians have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 says, that is that God was In Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, in this, we are called to be ambassadors for Christ, properly representing Christ. I threw that in there. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you, On Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Christ Jesus, having reconciled us to the Father, has called us into the ministry of reconciliation. And then has ordained us to be ambassadors, properly representing him. This ministry of reconciliation is not just to reconcile sinners 
to a holy God, but others. There's to be this idea of constant reconciliation with all mankind, first and foremost with God. We understand and believe this because Jesus, summing up the Old Testament, is that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul. And second is to love others. Wraps it all up. So having been made relationally right with God through the cross, through Jesus Christ, we, you and I, above all other people, as redeemed image bearers of God, have the responsibility and been given the ability through the Holy Spirit to be relationally right with everyone. It's a call on our lives. So when we talk about relationships, this is no small subject. In other words, we need to take some time and see what's at stake here. We need to add a sense of urgency. Because as believers, we often, we, we take a message like last week. We all agree and say, yes, this is good. The message that Britt gave last week, that was good. We needed to hear that. But so often as Christians, we want to obey, but we're not immediate in our obedience. We don't take quick action. Kind of like my kids. I know they want to obey, but when I throw out a command, like brush your teeth, I know they want to because I sat before them and I say, hey, you know, you get the book and you say, this is what happens when you don't brush your teeth. You know, you got the guy with just the yuck mouth. Nobody wants kids with yuck mouth. So we all agree, and everyone's in the house, yes, no, nobody wants yug mouth. Okay, so this is why we brush our teeth. But why is it that there is a need for me to constantly, Judah, did you brush your teeth? You go, you're getting ready to tuck, I tuck all my kids in, and you lean over, and you're like, wait a minute, you didn't brush your teeth. How do I know? Evidence. I can smell the evidence. Sometimes I can see it. What was the problem? There wasn't an immediate obedience. It's not that they didn't want to. It's just they didn't take action right away. Why? Because busy doing other things. Well, I'm putting on my jammies. I got to do this. I'm going to do that. And okay, I'm going to get to brushing my teeth. But somehow it slips. Because they didn't immediately, they didn't drop what they needed to do. In Matthew 5, 23, Jesus says, hey, on your way to the altar, if you're not right with somebody, drop your sacrifice and go and get right. See, Because so often, we need to have that immediate response in regards to obedience to God's word. Because I think, like my children, and and I know myself included, we often agree, yes, I want that, but then we get distracted. And then a week goes by, and last week's application of, hey, call this person or get right with that person hasn't taken place. 
Because one, there's no sense of urgency. And, and maybe it's a need to just this morning. Let's understand what's at stake when we don't get relationally right. What's at stake? Well, what's at stake is our witness. Our winning, the, our victory in our walk with Jesus and our wellness. I want to take the time today to dig a little deeper in regards to what's at stake so that hopefully it'll give us a sense of urgency to either get right with a relationship or always maintain being reconciled. Our witness as the world sees us has to be one of light. We have to reflect Christ Jesus. That's our hope and our prayer. Amen? We want to do that for the glory of God. And when we have love for each other, we do just that. But when there's bitterness and there's issues, then we do the complete opposite. John 13, 34 says this. It says, a new commandment I have given to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. We're to love others with the love that Christ has loved us with. No greater love is there. And so it's important for us to realize that in the calling of being reconciled, being relationally right, we have to understand that this is a supernatural process. We have to tap into the love of the Father, the love of Jesus Christ, and empowered by the Spirit of God so that we are able to get relationally right and love others. Because friends, there's times that it's difficult, yet we've been called to do so. We, as believers, need to display this to the world. Turn your Bibles to John 17. Jesus prays this prayer in the high priestly prayer. Jesus is praying for unity. He's praying for believers. Matter of fact, understand this. Verse 20 says, I do not pray for these alone, meaning the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, meaning you and I. And then he prays this, that they all may be one as you, Father, are one in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. This unity that we are to remain in, and it's almost like the unity that that remains within the Trinity, we've been invited into. And by doing so, the end product should be that the world would declare that Jesus is real. He has been sent. And those who submit to him are found and marked by the love of of God. 
Imagine if Christ were always at odds with the Father. Imagine what that would look like. And yet, as we look at the church today, we see a lot of disunity. Believers back-talking, backbiting, gossiping, at odds with each other. This does not display the love of the Father. Instead, what we do is we buy into the enemy's tactics, and that is to no longer be the light of the world, but to bring a gray cloud that clouds the clarity, the love of God. People look and they see that there is no difference between the love in that church and the love that's in this world. But yet we know clearly there is a difference. And when we're relationally right, we display that difference, the supernatural love of the Father. It affects our walk, friends, when we are not relationally right. What's at stake is our witness and our winning. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians 4. I'm going to begin with verse 25. Read along with me. If you have your Bibles, read, read along with me. It says this. Therefore, putting away a line, let each of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give a place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, and that he may have something to give who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for the necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgiven you. At this point, we can actually close the book and say, let's pray. Because in this, if you find that, okay, relationally right, I can, Pastor G, I see where you're going, but this doesn't apply to me. I'm relationally right with everyone. Well, ask yourself, what proceeds out of your mouth? How is your speech towards your neighbor? Is there bitterness, wrath, anger, evil speaking? Friends, we have to be careful. When we speak of relationships, we have to give an attentive ear and a heart and a mind. In verse 27, uh, it, it says, nor give a place, or some translations would say an opportunity or a foothold to the devil. 
That word in the Greek is topos. It's where we get our word topography. It's a, a place, a space, a spot, an opening. And when we allow bitterness and unforgiveness, we give the enemy a foothold, a place, a space, an opening. And when you couple that with verse 30 that says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit, friends, we need to be shaken in regards to this relationship, both with the Father and with others. Because when we're not relationally right, we give the enemy a foothold. It's like you're opening the door to the enemy and you're closing the door to the Spirit. Because this, again, this text is all in regards to relationships with our neighbors. So we need to be careful. Because some of us have simultaneously given a place to Satan and have grieved the Spirit. And in doing so, how can we find victory? How can we walk in the Spirit when we're allowing a foothold of the enemy through bitterness anger, wrath, jealousy, and the like. Galatians 5 talks about it. It talks about how when we walk in the spirit, we don't give opportunities for the flesh. And then Paul goes on to elaborate what the flesh looks like. And he says, bitterness, rivalry, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, conflicts, and disagreements. Have you ever seen that? Well, I think we see it often. And that is when we give a foothold and we find defeat. But thanks be to God that through repentance, getting right and getting reconciliation and being ministers of reconciliation, we can be right with all men and allow the spirit of God and the fruit of the spirit in our lives which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what this world needs to see when they look at our lives. Our winning, walking in victory, and fruitfulness is dependent upon our forgiveness to a certain degree. How we forgive will also Affect our wellness. Our wellness. Turn to Hebrews 12. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says this. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble. And by this, Many become defiled. I've seen this over and over as a pastor. I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in others where the root of bitterness literally affects their wellness. No longer are, is there fruit in their life. But not only that, it, it's like destruction. This is what bitterness leads to. Because anytime you allow a root of bitterness or an open door to the enemy, eventually the fruit of that root 
will begin to blossom. And the response is a hard heart. The response is constant anger. The response is short-tempered. And I believe we all struggle with this. And yet in Ephesians, Paul tells us that we're to get rid of all bitterness, wrath, and anger. And friends, thanks be to God that if you sense that there's a root of bitterness, you can yield that to the Father by just repentance. God, forgive me for this root of bitterness. The Lord wants to pull out that root, the weeds in our lives. And so hopefully this morning we're seeing this, the severity. When we talk about relationships, we got to lend our ear to the Lord. Matthew 6, 14, in the same way as, as Jesus says, for if you, are forgive, if, if you forgive men and their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I don't know about you, but for me personally in my own life, this is ministered greatly. In the times where you really feel like, okay, this guy, he just, just one too many times. Or just feeling that, no, I'm, I just know I'm right. And so that person needs to for, ask for forgiveness from me. And yet, we're called to forgive and love as Christ has loved and forgiven us. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. When you find yourself in a place of a bitter root or in a dispute or in anger, remember this verse. Because so often, as believers, we, we want justice. We want things to be right. But unfortunately, we go about it with a self-righteousness and not the humility of Christ. When we refuse to forgive, we choose to play God, so to speak. In Romans 12, God says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. Because God is always going to repay. He is a just God. We can trust Him. If anything, God has proven that He's the only one we can trust. We get in relational difficulties because there's a lack of, of trust or someone has violated or someone has done something. And friends, that's when we're call, called by God to seek the love of the Father to extend the forgiveness and to extend and trust and believe that God is in control. I don't need to seek vengeance from anyone because that belongs to God. And so I don't ever want to put myself in a place where I think I'm God or where I think I'm at the ability to judge. Because ultimately, if I'm judging, then I will be equally judged. So it's best to find yourself in a place 
of forgiveness, reconciliation, love. James 1.19 says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. And I don't know about you, but if you, I, it, it, maybe relationships, you're good. But if, if you found that in your life, anger has become an issue, then friends, take heed this morning. God is calling us to make adjustments in our life. And it begins as we, be, we just get right with him. Forgiveness. Maybe some this morning need to ask God for forgiveness for having a quick temper. Maybe there's a need to go to the Father and ask for forgiveness for bitterness, jealousy, outbursts, disputes, conflicts, disagreements. Because as we come to a close and we're looking for application, ultimately what we desire, and I'm hoping that you guys agree with me, and that is we perform or we become what God has called us to. Ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors for Christ Jesus. We're called to be more than conquerors. This is the call upon our lives. We're to be on mission We want to further the kingdom of God. We want to do what pleases him. And so what we need to do before we get back on track is to make sure that we're relationally right with him and with each other. And so to take action this morning, we need to ask ourselves, are we relationally right with the father? Because we've been kind of talking about relationships with our neighbors or with others But ask yourself this, Lord, is there anything between you and I? You know, Psalm 32 talks about David, talks about the blessing of forgiveness. Because he had sinned against God in regards to Bathsheba. And so there was a brokenness in that relationship. And it affected the wellness and the fruitfulness And his witness, King David, he pins in Psalm 32 that his soul was aching, his vitality. It was like life was being drained from him. He was in shambles until he went to the Lord and confessed his sin. And then he was able to say, oh, how happy is the man whose sins are forgiven. Why? Because the relationship was restored. That's why he's able to say, oh, how happy is the man. Not to continue to sin, but because the relationship was restored. I'm convinced that this morning, there's a need to get right with the Lord in regards to habitual sin. Maybe it's anger. It's, it's whatever it is. Friends, make way. You know, last week, Britt talked about how in relationships, so often as Christians, we have this facade, and it doesn't allow a reality in our relationship, because we look at each other, and there's this facade. There's no realness. 
It's like, hi, Joe Christian here. How you doing? Praise the Lord. Look at me. When indeed, Joe Christian is struggling with pornography. And is in the middle of a divorce. Because his wife is in shambles. Because he didn't give attention to his wife. He didn't love her as Christ loved the church. And now his family, they're starting to do drugs and his world is unraveling. And there he is saying, praise the Lord. Take the facade off. Be real. So often, and, and last week, I, I, I so wanted to run on the stage and say, brothers and sisters, the facade that you have put up is keeping you from going and get prayer. Like there's a prayer team over here and a prayer team over there and no one seems to make way and I'm convinced it's because it messes with your facade. Wait, I can't go get prayer because my facade will be messed up. I worked so hard to put this thing together. People, this morning, let's get relationally right with God. Who in here is without sin. Who in here is without issues? I'm almost thinking that the prayer team, we need more. Just pray amongst yourself because hopefully today as we get right with God, that there will be an, a passion. I got to get rid of this facade. I got to get right. Got to get back on mission. Got to be effective in my relationship with God that my witness would glorify him. And then there's the time that we need to spend right now in regards to relationships with others. Last week, we were told, hey, if there's someone here that you're not right with, go get right with them. And you probably agreed, but you delayed. And here you are a week later, and I'm in your face. And the only reason I'm in your face because I'm convinced because I needed to get into my own face. This morning, I made two phone calls. Putting this message together, there was a, a, a person who I know relationally I was not right with for 10 years. A brother in Christ. And, I, and I, I'm going to be even more honest with you. I called him early thinking maybe he doesn't pick up. <laughs> and I'll just leave a message. That's how we are. But I'm just being real with you, transparent. I'm an idiot. I tried to do that move. But God didn't let me off the hook. He answered the phone. And he even answered like this. What? I was all, hey, um, this is so-and-so, remember me? The cool thing is, is we're going to meet next week. We're going to make things right because we're called to. Brothers and sisters, there, there's an urgency. So much so that as a pastor, I ordain you to go outside, get your little phone and call whoever you got to call right now. Not like right, right now. Unless you really, really need to. Go make the phone call and they get back in here. Get on your face. Seek restoration. 
Some of you, like myself, have father issues, family members who have wronged you where you need to get right. Some of you have been abused. This morning there was a gal who, and I, and I told her I would share her story, and she wanted me to share her story. She was abused by her brother, and she's forgiven him, but she's never told him. And we both knew as we're both weeping because she was asking for the strength to be able to verbalize to him that she forgives him. We both knew that ultimately it was going to be for his sake that he needed to hear those words. God had already dealt with her. God had already healed her. God had already done a good work in her. But it was obvious that this man is going to need to hear those words. And because she was willing to be responsive, it'll take place. Friends, let's take this serious. Let's do business with God this morning. Let's make the phone calls. And I, and I want to, really quick, as a side note, I want to make sure that the, that the enemy doesn't use this opportunity to, to give us uh, this misconception of forgiveness. Because I'm convinced that even, especially for the abuse and relationships that are abusive, we're called to forgive, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you maintain or allow trust because trust was broken. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. So I just want to release some of you who need to extend the, the forgiveness, but still maintain a boundary. Are you guys with me? Do you know what I'm talking about? Especially with a, with, for you women who are, you just need to extend forgiveness for an abusive uh, relationship. I'm not saying you need to be back and hanging out with, I'm just saying extend the forgiveness that God would require of you, but yet maintain your boundaries. When we forgive, it doesn't mean we are condoning or compromising. You know, we've been wronged and some people still remain in wrong. But we're still called to forgive. But it doesn't mean by asking for forgiveness, all of a sudden we're condoning them to continue in their stupidity. Don't, don't take that as an opportunity not to ask for forgiveness. Because again, we're trusting God to be God. He's the judge. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Forgiveness, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, that is what we've been called into. And so let's do that this morning. I'm going to pray for us right now, and as the worship team comes up, I'm, I'm going to tell you that as they're coming up, the prayer team's going to be over there, and there's going to be some over here. Matter of fact, some of you may even need to post up in the back because there's going to be an onslaught of need of prayer because today we're going to do it right. We're not going to allow the phony facade to keep us in a place of, of stupidity in our Christianity. We want to be victorious, church. Amen? Amen? Jesus, we just ask that you would come and have your way with us now. Holy Spirit, we know that this is a moment where you need to come and convict and convince us where we err. And Lord, there's need of, 
of healing. There's need of much in this room. And yet we're thankful that there is a God who is great, grand, and big enough to come and deal with all our messes. So come, minister, have your way with us that as your church, as your bride, as your sons and daughters, we would allow you to do what is necessary for us to continue on the path further in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen.